0: Welcome to the Sourcing Hero podcast produced by Una, a group purchasing organization that empowers Sourcing Heroes and Art of Procurement, the world's largest procurement podcast network. I'm your host, Kelly Barner. The goal of the Sourcing Hero podcast is to capture the epic stories of people who are rising up and beating the odds to create exceptional value within procurement directly from those heroes themselves. Today, my guest on the Sourcing Hero podcast is Jeff Beaver. Jeff is the Senior Director of Strategic Sourcing and Procurement at Mars. He has over 20 years experience working as a transformational senior procurement executive across multiple industries. Most impressive, though, is that he has managed to lead forward progress on efficiency, cost, and quality, while also building an empowered team of people that are inspired and motivated by each other and the work that they do. So, hi, Jeff. Thank you so much for being here with me today.
1: Yeah. Hi, Kelly. Thanks for having me. It's great to to join you.
0: Now, I shared a very high-level overview, really more of your philosophy about working in procurement necessarily than the positions that you've held. Would you Mm -hmm. mind sharing a little bit more detail about your background Mm -hmm. and professional experience?
1: Yeah, no problem, Kelly. So, um, you know, I, I have a very... Uh, unique background, I would say, probably a little more diverse than uh, a lot of your listeners or some of the audience. So I started my uh, procurement background really as a grain merchant. So I started in the grain merchandising world uh, buying um, feed grains, wheat, corn, Milo, you know all the different ingredients sourcing from Farmer direct um, as well as cooperatives for companies such as Cargill, Continental Grain, Bartlett and company. And, you know, I, I went from there over into construction, believe it or not, and, um, took a lot of those price risk management strategies and approach to, you know, uh, just relationships and people, um, into that, uh, discipline from there, got some exposure into the indirects and R and D side of, uh, uh, of this business and the business of procurement, working with um, companies such as Colgate, um, Palmolive, uh, Hills Pet Nutrition, and you know, just kind of kept building and building, and and have had a, a very uh, unique uh, career, if you will, spanning you know agribusiness, construction, um, CPG, FMCG. Um, type environment. so I like to say that I've, I've bought just about everything that you can buy across the spectrum of procurement or purchasing from you know software as a service through you know building factories and plants, packaging, uh, proteins, grains, um, and you know currently uh, doing a lot of work within the ANCP categories around the marketing and sales space.
0: Well, I do have to say, I think you have one of the most diverse buying backgrounds of anybody that I've I've ever spoken with. In fact, you might say you've sort of been there and back. Um, <laughs> but when we think about what's universal and all that, one of the points that you made when we spoke previously that, that I always like to talk to people about this because I think it's such a universal concern is procurement's old sort of longing for a seat at the table feeling that... We never quite get what that thing is we're looking for, but we also don't seem to be able to shake that feeling that we're missing out on something despite the the value and maturity progressions that we've made. Why do you think being overly focused on that seat at the table is such a non-productive path for procurement to follow?
1: Yeah, Kelly, I, you know, this is something that I always struggle with, um, you know, not only internally but but externally with our our peers internally with with my peers said i I think the reality is is that the longing is the drive to make sure that we are contributing that we're making a difference that we um, the value that procurement brings to the table is just as critical and as important as the supply uh, overall supply function you know from a manufacturing standpoint to the demand side, your sales and marketing piece, and and what I want to say to people is the reality is is we're kind of already there, right? So if you're if you're if you're having the right conversations, and we're involved in discussions with the leaders of our business, and I think the great thing is you know the leaders of our business aren't necessarily always the CEO, and they're not always the the president, but it's really the people that are driving our business forward that are leading our associates on a day-to-day basis. If they're coming to you, if they're listening to you and you're able to help them grow and drive their business, you have a seat at the table because you don't sit on the executive you know, council or you're part of the board of directors. I think that's the piece where we struggle and believe from a visibility standpoint, that we, you know, we're always longing for. Why aren't we up there with the CFO, the CEO, um, the COO? Why isn't there a CPO, you know, up there? And, And what I would tell you is that's something we have to really move past and really focus on the work. Um, that we're doing, because when we focus on the work, what's been proven and what we've seen is really a notice and a pool for our function, right? So, you know, if you take what's happened in the last, you know, two years or so uh, across the globe, our roles, people are, are talking about us, they're... Um, Leaning on us, they're searching out um, people within our discipline roles. I'm sure that you know all your listeners out there have, you know, get phone calls daily, if not, you know, every other day, uh, to talk about new opportunities, yeah. room for growth. What you know, what can they do? Because this function is such a key to really a healthy organization, protecting our supply chains, making sure things deliver on time, making sure that we're meeting our customers' needs and really supporting internally all of those other functions, helping them to meet and deliver on their goals and their obligations to their customers.
0: Well, and there are two really interesting things that you said there that I want to dig into a little bit. One is about having the right conversations with the business. And when we think about having the right, you know, I'll do this. I know this is a no-no for podcasting. I'll do air quotes. (laughs) Um, but if we're, we're thinking about having the right conversations, it's both focusing on the right things and also using the right words. If procurement tries to move our mindset away from this very conventional idea around the signals within the enterprise that indicate we've, we've sort of made it. How can we ensure that our language aligns with what the business expects to hear so that it sort of accelerates us down that road of, of generating results?
1: Yeah, I think it's, it's a good call out, right? So the first thing we have to do is speak the language. We can't speak procurement language. I think, you know, if I reflect or lean back on uh, just the different experiences, you know, that I've had, that there's one thing that, that I've learned through my career, it's having empathy for, you know, those around you and what everyone is is facing and being able to communicate and adapt to their needs and what their outcomes are. I think we as procurement sometimes focus too much on some of our metrics or KPIs, instead of focusing on, you know, what's really the outcome and then building everything back from there, because I think that's that's truly where the value of procurement um, is. Is that you know when we listen to what the outcome needs to be, procurement we're great problem solvers, right? I mean that's really what we do. We put people together, we bring perspective from a broader environment, and you know we we solve really complex and meaty problems.
0: Yeah. And and I think the other thing, and and this is another sort of look back to one of the earlier things that you said, is that when we are truly business outcome focused, so not just focused on procurement KPIs, but truly focused on the business outcomes that everybody's pushing towards, when we think about who we need to be having those quote unquote right conversations with, it might not be the CEO. If we're really focused on changing the way a specific part of the company works or creating an opportunity for the company to realize more value from suppliers and other third-party service partners, it might be somebody else that we need to have that conversation with. And ironically, because it's not a C-level person, it might be a whole lot easier both to get an audience with that person and to start building out a collaboration. Um, So when you talk about thinking beyond the conventional idea of going straight to the C suite and instead looking at who can help us move towards those goals. Who are maybe some examples of the kinds of people that procurement might not even think about but would be very effective collaborators for us internally.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> so Kelly, you know, what I would say is the, the business happens on the ground. So, you know, this this ambition that we have for the C-suite piece, you're right. Where we've seen, where I've seen us be the most effective is really partnering and collaborating with those individuals who are driving the business. So an example, making sure that for uh, a regional distribution manager, if you're at a, a distribution hub, are you really solving the problems of the regional distribution manager? Or are you trying to face into the cost pressures that the CEO um, continues to talk about, wants to address? Yes, are we here to manage the cost pressures? Are we here to help mitigate that that piece of risk? Absolutely, that, that's a key function of you know, procurement and what we do. But what we also have to, to do and win the hearts and minds of those around us is talk to them about what is it that's going to help them, right? Is it, do we, do we have the right suppliers? Do we have the right, you know, uh, transportation partners? Um, Is their business, is their uh, facility being serviced in the right way, right? Are there inefficiencies from the supply base or different things that we're driving in to their business or their distribution center that's actually driving costs for them and and we get anecdotal um, reactions from CEOs who are reading the paper or, you know, listening to CNBC, um, you know, or different things. And they at times may not be as in touch with their operations as the people living it. So so that could be one example. Another example could be in your ANCP space where, you know, you've got these great ambitions and. From your chief marketing officers, but the people who are really driving the brands are going to be those associate brand managers who are working day in day out on all the creative content. They're working with the placement of their their ads and and um, the effectiveness of of those ads. And and what I would tell you is that you really have to get down into the business to understand the business. You have to be conscious of what's happening and the people who are steering it um, at that C-suite level. But the reality is, is those relationships have to go far and wide from, you know, new associates coming in who have perspective from other industries or other um, functions You know, from a procurement standpoint, if I'm in supply, I should be talking to people who are on the sales and customer side of my business. So if I'm a commercial procurement professional and I'm focused on supply, that's great. But do I truly understand what our customer is faced with? Mm -hmm. Am I talking to my peers or counterparts in the, the sales and marketing space to understand what problems and challenges or am I truly just focused on, you know, do I have enough trucks? Do I have enough containers? Do we, do we have enough ingredients to continue to manufacture? So I think, you know, really focusing um, on the entire business. And I think this is where procurement itself, this enterprise mindset comes in, right? So it's, it's not a functional mindset. It's not a category driven mindset, but it's really this mindset of having this enterprise thought leader across the space who is digging into each one of these different areas and bringing it all together to bring a a new and different perspective to the people leading um, their functions. Well,
0: and I think to your point about enterprise mindset, not only does it, you know, as a longtime procurement person myself, it sounds like a more appealing team to work on, truthfully, when you're when you're not thinking functionally, when you're not thinking just within the boundaries of a traditionally defined category of spend, but you're truly thinking about what are the things we're trying to enable our company to do effectively and efficiently. I also imagine there's sort of a corresponding shift in terms of how we recruit, retrain, attract procurement talent, if that becomes the focus. You know, assuming that that's something that you do what advice would you give around modifying the procurement talent strategy to make sure that this type of enterprise mindset and the results that it's supposed to deliver sort of works for the group over the long term?
1: Yeah, Kelly, I, uh, you know, this is, um, this couldn't be a more relevant topic than it is today. <laughs> so I think, you know, um, all, all leaders, hiring managers, um, organizations—you know—we we all know that that there is a war on talent, oh, absolutely. and we're looking for we're looking for associates and individuals that will help us to continue to grow and transform our organizations. I think where we what we can't lose sight of is finding really good, capable people. So what I mean by that, and and, and I'm a beneficiary of this. In my career, it's it's finding people that you know have very high learning agility, that are curious about learning new things, very collaborative, willing to take some bold chances and risks, and that can come with um, you know people earlier in their career. It can come with people mid career. Uh, it can come with people later in their career. Just depending on where they are in that career journey and spectrum, and. What I would tell people is, as you recruit and and try to look for those associates, what you have to focus on is, you know, kind of what stage are you in? Are you are you trying to build an organization? Are you trying to develop an organization? Um, because that will help you identify the different experiences and the depth of expertise that you need. So if you're, you know, fairly new into this procurement world um, from an organization so from your company if you're just starting to mature as a procurement function within that you may need to over invest in deep category expertise right so that you truly have a base foundation but other organizations that are solid procurement organizations um in the middle to higher part of this, you know, evolution of procurement, they have a great advantage to be able to come in and take people that have a breadth of experience uh, across different functions and teach them really the art of procurement, if you will, right? The negotiations, the contracting, contracting languages, the, the approach. But what they're gaining is really category knowledge. So taking someone who has been in supply um, and understands the language of the supply function or the challenges of the, the supply function, they're going to have a deep, richer experience than someone who may have spent the last 10 years just as a procurement person in supply. Um, Or the the same with anyone who's in um, a marketing procurement role. They may not have the same experience as, you know, someone who has been in the sales and marketing function, standing in in front of, you know, one of the customers, trying to make the sale, trying to ensure that they hit their growth um, targets. I think that's the... um, the piece that we miss at times because we can get overly focused on making sure we have the perfect candidate and the reality is, is there's no perfect candidate, um, out there, but what we can do is make sure that we're we're investing in the right people, right? Those people who want to drive things together as a team, uh, individuals who are curious, like I said, um, and who want to be bold and challenge the way that we're we're thinking within this function and an organization
0: Well and I think it's it's interesting you know you talk about the fact that um, we can't hold out for the perfect candidate because in reality yeah. we know that person doesn't exist and the competition for good talent we can't allow that idea of perfect to be the enemy of good especially not in the short term <laughs> And as we think about, you know, the type of boldness you described, the the willingness to take informed risks, the ability to work together and sort of sense opportunities that may be slightly off the intended charted path. Um, When you think about the idea, and I always give everybody a choice on this, Mm -hmm. of what does the idea of a sourcing hero mean to you? Or put another way, what do you think heroism looks like in a business context, what would you say to that? Yeah,
1: I, I think for me it's it's those individuals who are willing to make the right choices that are incredibly you know tough. the, the right choice isn't always the easy choice. And I think individuals who are able to face into those uncomfortable, um, conversations and, you know, really be, I, I love this phrase that I, I heard from, a, a a line manager once, and it's, it's the critical friend, right? The, the person who's willing to face into just the uncomfortableness of having the right conversations, those people are, are, the, are the heroes because they know that it's going to um, create conflict. They know that it's going to make their job, you know, more challenging or more more difficult. But it doesn't take away from the positive intent that they're trying to do, which is they're trying to not only make themselves better, but the individuals they're working with and continue to push and grow um, the organization that they're a part of.
0: I think that's actually Actually, I love this idea of a critical friend. You know, when I think probably everybody listening in, I know I'm doing the same thing. You, yeah. you sort of think to yourself, okay, like who would I describe as a critical friend? And it's <laughs> it's a very small number of people, right? Yeah. That's probably a, an indication that I'm thinking of it in the right way. It's There's not like a huge long list of people that I would think of as critical friends. But I think that's an excellent way to look at this because in the moments where we need heroism, you know, however each one of us defines that in the work that we do, it's that critical friend that you want to have by your side, right? When the, when the chips are down and the stakes are high, that is the kind of person that you want beside you that's going to help keep you on track, even though, you know, things aren't necessarily going as expected. I think that's a terrific thought to leave people with. So thank you for sharing that. Now, Jeff, as we start to wind down our time, for people that have listened to our conversation today that would be interested in connecting with you or, or learning a little bit more about your background, what is the best way for people to connect or get in touch?
1: Yeah, you know, Kelly, what I would, what I would say is I would encourage people to reach out on LinkedIn. I think um, that has been uh, really my primary way of uh, connecting, meeting new individuals, um, diversifying my network, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, you know, I, 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 welcome them to, to go to that platform, you know, reach out. They can also reach me, um, at my, uh, my email, which is just jeff.beaver at fm, dot com, and, and drop me a note. I'm always willing to, uh, to try to connect and and uh, share best practices and just learn about what others are doing um, to help me continue to learn and grow um, myself.
0: Well, that's excellent. Jeff, thank you so much for being here with me today on The Sourcing Hero.
1: Great, thanks, Kelly, I appreciate it.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of The Sourcing Hero Podcast. Join us again next time for more true stories of sourcing and business heroism performed by your colleagues and peers. Look for The Sourcing Hero wherever you get your podcasts and don't forget to subscribe. Finally, don't forget, sourcing heroism is taking place all around us every day. Keep your eyes open and you're bound to see it. Until next time, I'm your host, Kelly Barner. Stay well and always remember that you can be a hero too.